Hello, this is episode 273 and in it I'm going to talk about a part of the industry that really does dominate new building in Australia and in many other parts of the world and that's volume builders. Known by a few names, volume builders are the part of the industry that offer you a start to finish process to deliver a new home. From going and visiting their display homes to choosing one of their pre-designed versions off the plan out of a catalogue, selecting your finishes from their range of pre-selected options, right through to seeing your home into and through its construction process. Now, they're also known as spec builders, project home builders, off-the-plan builders, and they really can vary in how they offer their products and services. They're usually seen as the least expensive way to build a new home and the fallback for many who feel that it's the only option that they can afford or when it perhaps a custom home feels out of reach or too uncertain a process to navigate. However, they are not always the least expensive way to build a new home and there can be a lot of challenges with this method of building especially if you are seeking a particular kind of home and a particular kind of project experience. So in this episode I'm going to cover the top three challenges that I see homeowners experience when they're building a new home with a volume builder that really do impact the home that they create and the project experience that they have. Now, remember, if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode, plus information on the resources that I discuss, then you can do that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 273. Now, let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect, and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious and you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take and the best way to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with and whatever your location, your budget or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money and stress in your reno or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P-R-O-J-E-C-T-P-L-A-N. Now, let's get on to the episode.
So I'm actually recording this podcast episode in my hotel room in San Francisco. I'm over here for a business conference that's happening in a couple of days in Napa. Tough, tough, I know. Yes. Although I stopped drinking alcohol a couple of years ago, so I won't be doing any wine tasting. That's the one thing I get asked when I, I mention that I'm going to Napa. No, not drinking wine anymore. So, uh, but I am really looking forward to it. I And I'm going to be meeting the business mentor that I've been working with virtually for just over two years now because he is hosting an event in Napa. And so I'm also going to get to meet many of the other online business owners that I've only been hanging out with virtually for ages now. So I am super excited about the chance to spend time together with them in person. Now I've been in San Francisco for this is my third day and I've had an amazing time here. The last time that I visited was in 1999. So it's a long, long time ago. And of course, the city has definitely changed since then. Now, the weather's been, it's been quite cold, but it's been beautiful sunshiny weather. I've been told that a week ago it was not the case, but the sun has definitely been out for me. And I have been doing a lot of walking. I've been checking out art and architecture, and I've been enjoying way too many of a particular brand of peanut butter cups that we don't get in Australia that I discovered the last time that I was in the States, which was five years ago. Now, This morning as well, it was really exciting. I actually got to meet up with some San Francisco-based members of my flagship program, Home Method. So Kevin actually found Undercover Architect from this podcast and he joined Home Method because he and his partner Lily are building a new home here in San Francisco. And so I met up with them. I got to see their block of land. Uh, We had lunch together and then they drove me around and we looked at some amazing homes and streets. Uh, It was just, it was an amazing way to see another part of San Francisco that I wouldn't have been able to see otherwise and it was it was such a massive treat to spend time with them to meet their brand new daughter and also their fur baby so I want to extend a massive thank you to you Kevin and Lily if you're listening for taking such good care of me during my stay I had a lot of fun I really do love it when overseas homeowners find Undercover Architect and they're happy to listen to this Aussie chick talking about designing, building and renovating and then do the local translation. And I know we have lots of listeners from all over the world. You know, there's people in over 190 countries that listen to the podcast. So hello to you if that is you. We also have some global members inside Home Method, you know, and as Kevin said to me, he just switches north for south. Uh, He uses the imperial measurements that I have in there for US-based members instead of metric. And then he also translates some of the terminology for its local version. So, and it was really great to speak with him and to learn more about some of the recent changes to, uh, to local planning regulations here and the pathway that Kevin and Lily are on to create their future family home. So let me jump back into this episode and and I want to just bring you up to speed. Back in episode 268, I actually shared some statistics about the volume builder industry and I received lots of messages from listeners at the time who were really shocked about the volume that, well, volume builders actually build in the Australian marketplace each year. So I'm just going to share it with you again here in case you haven't listened to that episode. So in it, I I said this, I said around September 2022, the Housing Industry Association released data on the top 100 residential builders in Australia across the 2020 slash 2021 financial year based on the volume of homes and homes whenever they talk about it in data uh, in the Bureau of Statistics and those kinds of things. um, Homes includes detached houses, townhouses and apartments. And so the Housing Industry Association released the data around the numbers that were being built. Now, the top the top was not a quality rating, okay? It was actually a delivery rating. And in regards to detached homes, 77% were being built by builders in that top 100 list. 
So given we, we build in Australia around 200,000 homes per year, that's a lot of homes being built in that delivery model. And in fact, the top 20 in that top 100 list, they were building over 46,000 of these homes alone. So there are a lot of volume builder built homes that are happening around Australia each year. And I discussed in that episode 268 that I believe that there's a perceived level of certainty that comes with building a volume built home. You know, you can walk through the display of the one that you plan to build a lot of the time, uh, or you can see something that's quite similar to it. You can experience it firsthand before buying and building your own. And then I also hear homeowners talking about a level of comfort that they seem to get when they're working with a bigger company with a clear process and steps that they'll take you through so you have some sense of what to expect. And you can touch and feel a lot of the things that you'll get in your own home as part of finalising them in your own selections. You know, it's like taking a car for a test drive. There's an an ability in volume building to get a sense of what you'll get before you buy and many do find that very reassuring. Now, interestingly also, something that I see happen on Facebook is that homeowners will actually call out to others to find out who's building the same plan type as them, you know, and the end of the day, we all like to belong. It's a proven psychological need. And I think we find this in finding others who are making similar choices to us. You know, it really validates that we're making the right choice as well. And so the volume builder approach, it certainly feeds into that in a way that a custom, you know, one-off unique home never actually can. Now, as for those numbers that I quoted up front, I am not sure what quantity of homes included in this number, you know, the 46,000 that I mentioned and the, and the 200,000 total per year, I'm not sure what of that is in, done purely for investment, you know, what is investment stock. And I, I just want to touch on this topic for a brief moment before we get into the episode. Over my years in the industry, I see that people can have a very different attitude and approach towards building a home that's for investment versus building one for themselves. And it's not necessarily about what they're willing to spend on it. You know, that part I get. Of course, a home that's built for investment, it has to stack financially in a way that a long-term family home might not necessarily have to for many homeowners. However, and, and sadly, there can be an attitude that the homes built for investment don't really, and I put in air quotes, matter too much in quality or design or the standard of home that they provide. You know, people will make choices about who builds their investment homes and how they get built that they would never make for their own home. And yet that home is going to stand there. It's going to be a home for renters. It's going to impact them and their families, the street, the suburb and the planet in its consumption, just as any home can and will for a very long time. So just because you're building a home for investment, that doesn't mean that it needs to be a substandard quality and design of home. You can still choose a design that works well, uh, create a home that's energy efficient to run, that's durable and low maintenance, and all of that will feed into it being a better long-term investment for you overall. Now, before I jump into my top three challenges when building with volume builders, I also want to give this caveat. I am not against the volume building industry per se, okay? I know a lot of architects are. Um, for me, it's 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 a reality in how we deliver homes in Australia and in lots of parts around the world. I just wish it would do a whole lot better in what it prioritises and how it serves its clients. There is so much power and potential in the volume building industry to radically improve the quality and performance of mainstream housing stock in Australia. However, when your benchmark is that you only need to meet Australian standards and building codes, and those, they're pretty mediocre in the kinds of homes that they create, then 
it really can feel like we're shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic as we build more and more of these volume builder homes. And it's really why I love when a person who's planning to work with a volume builder actually joins my flagship program Home Method because I know that they're then going to gain knowledge to enhance what they're getting inside the volume builder's traditional system that's delivering their home. And even perhaps along the way, they can teach the volume builder how to do better for all of their customers. So let's dive into the first of my top challenges to be aware of when building with a volume builder. Challenge number one is that volume builders don't prioritize a site-specific outcome. In the early days of Undercover Architect, I wanted to understand a lot more about volume building. And, you know, having worked at Mervac as part of their senior design team for over seven years at the time, I learned a lot about spec housing as it was known and really what volume builders were generally doing and how that differed to Mervac projects, you know, particularly when we were building in similar areas to other volume builders. But my learning, it was always from an industry point of view. And I knew that if I was going to help people inside Undercover Architect, I had to experience and see it more from a prospective client's point of view, you know, from the homeowner's point of view. So I spent some time diving into it, you know, looking at all the different companies that offered volume built or off the plan homes. I was reviewing their plan types. I was trying to find out which were the most commonly built and also talking about the process with people that I knew inside those companies. You know, I had colleagues working in the drafting side, the estimating side, the construction side, the marketing side, right up to very, very senior positions in some of these companies. And also I went, I spent some time pretending to be a homeowner looking to build a home. So wandering around a very large display village, uh, having a whole backstory speaking to salespeople and seeing how I was being handled as a potential customer and what I was being told and the kind of information I was receiving. So, and I actually wrote a couple of blog posts on it at the time. So I'll pop those into the resources for this episode if you're interested on reading them. Now, in my experience on that day and definitely since, I don't see volume builder companies helping homeowners choose a floor plan to specifically suit the orientation of their site. And they're especially not it's, you know, it's not a priority and it's not a leading criteria in which, you know, home design should actually choose for their site. They're not, they're just not helping homeowners do this. Now, as a secret shopper who was wandering around this display village, as I said, I had a backstory. So my backstory was that I hadn't purchased land yet. So when I asked for tips on the land I should look for, the main advice was to go for a flat block of land with good access and be wary of bushfire overlays. There was only one salesperson who mentioned orientation. And then the advice that was given about that was very, very cursory. So this could definitely be different for homeowners. And you know, it could be an entirely different experience for them as they're looking for the kind of home, you know, and the type of home that's going to most suit their land. It's actually a dream of mine that every volume builder everywhere has orientation recommendations drawn on the floor plans that they publish for homeowners to choose from that, you know, when people go online or they look in the catalogs that they hand out, that they can see the orientation recommendation for how that home needs to be positioned on a site. And further to that, I would also love for volume builders to actually not let a homeowner build a home design on their site that doesn't suit the orientation of that site, you know, for them to actually prevent it and refuse to do it. That, you know, that could facilitate significantly more energy efficient housing in Australia just by doing this alone. 
However, you know, given that many developers subdivide land without orientation in mind, and then most volume-built homes will suit a north to rear or a northeast to rear orientation, I can see why they don't do this, you know, because it would seriously limit the suitability of their designs across many available blocks of land. Or they would then ultimately need to create different plan types in order to suit, say, a north to street block orientation. Now, when I worked at Mervac, the subdivision plans were actually created by us in the in-house architectural team. And we would then work with civil engineers and other consultants to create the outcome ready for the construction of Mervac housing. So, you know, and as part of the designing the subdivision of this designing the street layout and where the lots were and how they were all allocated and, and positioned, you know, we actually kept orientation in mind as part of that exercise. So, for example, the Belimba project that I was project architect on in Brisbane, in that, in that layout, the bulk of the sites were actually east-west orientation with their long side to the north. They were narrow sites, generally speaking. So most were under 370 square metres in area. So they had their long side to the north, which works well for that lot size and arrangement. And we had one long street where the site actually backed onto neighbouring homes, where the lots we were creating were actually all north to street. Now, I've shared a video of this which I'll link up in the resources and I'll, I'll include in the blog post for this episode where I've actually jumped on Google Maps and walked down the street in Google Maps in Street View to show you the outcome because we did specific things in both the lot design and in the home design to ensure that all of these homes still worked as north to street designs that they suited the orientation of the site so you can watch that video and, and I explain what we did to various different kinds of home designs in order to make that work. Now yes okay so this all starts at the subdivision design level and unfortunately, many developers are instead carving up land to minimise the costs for road infrastructure and, of course, maximise the yield of the number of lots that they can sell. And they're not worrying too much about whether it sets up homes that can be well oriented. And there are volume builder plans that I've seen that can suit a south to rear or west to rear site better than others can. But it really is a case of reviewing it with your site's orientation in mind. But, you know, from what I saw in my experience, you know, particularly on that day I was doing that secret shopping and I've heard it over and over again since, you just can't rely on the volume builder to assist you with this. What I discovered in my secret shopping experience was that the process of building with these companies would largely be a relationship with the salesperson for a significant part of it, especially at the beginning. And then those salespeople that I dealt with, they were not experts in design. They didn't have specific training in design. They were not trying to help me understand energy efficiency, sustainability, maximisation of natural light, etc. One salesperson I spoke to had been a chef previously. Another had been an air conditioning contractor. Uh, others were from a retail sales background. You know, they were lovely, lovely people who were being super helpful in their own right, but they were just not what I expected in regards to design experience. Uh, for some reason, I thought that, you know, maybe naively, but I thought that people who were helping you choose the house that you were going to build would actually understand and know about design. Uh, and, you know, they're the ones that are advising how to site the home, how to position it on the block, what design apparently would suit me more than others and any other information that could impact my choice quite significantly. And so many homeowners tell me they just want to get it right in their home design. 
And so when you're working with a volume builder, that's going to mean you choosing the most suitable plan for your site, your budget and your lifestyle from the range of plans that you have to choose from. And so I do wonder if many who are navigating this process, they just assume that the salesperson that they're dealing with initially, and then often right up until construction, actually has specific design training as they provide advice and they provide input over which floor plan you should choose for your block and of course then how you should situate it on your block of land. I often wonder too if many homeowners, you know, they're not thinking about this necessarily. They're focused on budget and on lifestyle, but they're not sort of educated about the site component and and how that might impact the home and how it feels and, and the salesperson isn't filling that gap. And so what ultimately happens is that they invest in a home that doesn't suit the site, that's going to be expensive to heat and cool, that needs a range of add-ons prior to construction in order to meet its energy efficiency star rating requirements and it simply doesn't perform as well as it could. You know, when instead with the right advice or, you know, orientation recommendations given on the floor plan so that you could at least trigger the conversation, you could just choose the right plan instead and get it all right from the start. You know, can you imagine? Can you imagine if all salespeople in volume builder companies had comprehensive training and professional experience in design? And can you imagine if every floor plan that a volume builder produced had an orientation recommendation on it like I dreamed that it could? And if we went one step further that the volume builder company would not sell you a home that didn't suit your site, you know, the situation that we have with the performance of so much of our housing stock in this country would be significantly impacted. So upshot of all of this, don't rely on the salesperson or the volume build company to tell you the most suitable home for your site. Get yourself educated about your site's natural assets and what that means for the type of home design that your site needs. If you'd like more help nutting this out for your own site and learning about designing for orientation, what it means for how rooms are arranged and the nature of the sunlight at different times of the year and day, season one and season two of the podcast, they're going to be a really great start for you. And Home Method, of course, is a fantastic resource for all of this information. So if you head to the resources for this episode at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 273. I've got all the links there and more information for you. Okay, the next challenge with volume building is this. Challenge number two, their business model is built on incremental commitment, which creates significant sunk costs, which can then feel difficult to walk away from if things aren't going well. So most volume builders, they set up their project sequencing in a specific and deliberate way. And part of this is to simplify the process of building a new home. And part of it is to guide the client through a step-by-step process that just works for the delivery model of volume building and the client mindset as well, because it helps reduce overwhelm. Now, whilst a volume builder it, you know, built home, it removes the design component and the fees that are associated with it. There, of course, are going to be costs associated with tailoring the design that you've chosen for your specific site. So I don't mean actually redesigning things. What I mean is there can be costs associated that include soil tests, engineering fees, approval fees, and a range of other costs. So in a custom design process, you of course have these costs as well. However, the difference that I see between the custom design process and the volume build process is that whilst you're navigating these steps and these costs and discovering all of this information in a custom build, you haven't signed an agreement that's binding binding you to build the home yet. You're just working through the design phase and then you can make adjustments to the design as you go to incorporate your findings along the way uh, and, and, you know, understand that as you move through it. 
in a volume build, you'll have chosen the design that you want to build and you'll have been given a price. And hopefully you've asked lots of questions about how much the upgrades or site conditions might add to that initial price that you're being quoted or you have a contingency in your budget. Because what I see often happens is that that base price, what it'll generally include is a fairly generic slab design allowance. And then when your site's soil test comes back with the soil classification, then it's often the case that the slab will need to be upgraded in its structural design and specifications. And that will of course come at an extra cost to you. And this can happen with many steps along the way. That's what I mean about incremental commitment. So, you know, when a volume builder assesses your site, when you're getting your energy efficiency assessment done, when you're choosing your fixtures and finishes. So meanwhile, you've got the price that you began with, you've got the contract that you signed, the deposit that you paid, and the costs that you're then investing in the tests and the assessments as you go. And the price of your new build is moving up and up from the initial price that you committed to contractually as it's impacted by all of these discoveries and findings. But, you know, the process is set up to step you through making those incremental commitments along the way as you pay for these various tests and assessments and make decisions that impact the cost of your future home. And what I see happen for so many people is that they feel like they've got on a train that they just can't get off now, that they've paid for all of these things along the way, that they're moving further down the track. And, you know, in many cases, you'll find that the agreements that you've signed actually prevent you from taking the information that's been commissioned for your site, even though you've paid for it, but you've paid for it inside this agreement, you can't take it necessarily with you if you choose to terminate and go and find another way to build a new home. And the sunk costs of this incremental investment, they make it really difficult for people to walk away from those funds, even though the new build may be costing considerably more than they were initially quoted or they had planned to spend. And with the way that the industry has been with price increases in materials and products and trades, I've, I've just had so many people get in touch with me saying that their volume builder told them that the price they signed on, it wouldn't change. And yet now they're being presented with variation after variation after variation. So this is where the building contract itself is so important. And I see many make the mistake of assuming that it's going to be standard because it's a master builders association or a housing industri industry association contract. But you will find that most volume builders will have customised those contract templates very, very specifically. So it's really essential that you read it through thoroughly. And it is really rare that a builder's contract does not have legal processes in place to charge variations. So whatever verbal promises that you're getting from the salesperson, they need to be backed up by whatever you signed contractually. This also relates to the site start promises that volume builders make, which I think has a lot of people dive in with urgency because they just want to start construction. And, you know, of course, whilst the ability for a volume builder to mobilise a site start is radically different to someone who needs to design the home first, there are still approvals required. There are tests that need to be done on your site and there's a range of processes that have to occur. So you need to actually define what a site start is. You know, this is what got homeowners and volume builders into huge trouble with the home builder scheme that was introduced during COVID. A site start for the definition of the grant was that a slab had to be poured, but there was lots of confusion around that. And, you know, it took a while for that to sort of actually be declared. And then what happened was all over the place, you were seeing homes get that far just to that slab being poured and then no work occurring for months and months and months. And meanwhile, you know, if this is happening for you, if it's happening for you because of home build or it happened before you because of, you know, the delays and those kinds of things that are occurring in the industry at the moment, you are potentially covering costs on your mortgage and wherever you're living whilst you wait for your new home to be finished. So you always want to know what's involved in 
walking away from the contract. You want to know the timing of the contract. You want to know what's involved in terminating the contract. And of course, you know, all of the information that you've invested in, what you're actually going to own if you do terminate the contract. Now let's have a look at challenge number three. And challenge number three is that the volume builder's ideal scenario is an arm's length involvement from you. So I once had someone inside a volume builder company say this to me. The ideal scenario for us is that they choose their home, they sign on the dotted line, they pay their costs and their progress draws along the way, they make their selections, they go to their appointments, etc. But we don't see them again until we're handing over the keys to their finished home. And my experience is though that a lot of homeowners like to be far more involved in the process of creating their long-term family home than basically, you know, paying all of the bills and just stepping in when the keys are ready. And my recommendation is that you should be involved as well. You'll find that volume builder companies are often financially structured with quite low profit margins. And, you know, a custom builder, for example, who's only doing a few projects per year, they might have a profit margin of around 10% or so. A volume builder can have a profit margin of only 1% to 2%, especially with the larger companies. Because of course, if you are building thousands of homes per year worth hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, 1% to 2% is still going to be a lot of money. And their square metre rate, of course, on volume builds, it's usually lower than a custom builder as well. Not always. Don't assume that volume building is the least expensive way to build a new home. But there's a lot that is built into the structure and delivery of a volume builder company that does facilitate a streamlined delivery and lower costs. And supplies, you know, they will offer bigger discounts to volume builders than custom builders. Uh, volume builders will fix their rates with subbies and trades rather than getting a trade or a subby quoting every job individually as they have to with a custom project. You know, everyone who works for a volume builder prices for bulk because they know that they'll be doing a lot of homes. And the salespeople helping, make your helping you make your decisions at the beginning, they're usually being paid on commission only or they've got a base salary with a commission on top. You'll find too that construction timeframes are usually shorter than a custom build as well. And whilst every site can be different, you know, chances are that the home that you're building has been built by the supervisor, the subbies and the trades, um, you know, tens if not hundreds of times before. And that builds in efficiency and speed to the process as well. And when there aren't delays with materials or trades, you know, volume builds, they can be finished within four months. So that's compared to seven months or more for a similarly sized custom home. So the success of this rapid delivery, it relies on a bunch of things. So some of them I've outlined, but it also includes not having to involve you too much in the construction process, let alone meet with you on a weekly basis to discuss progress and to walk around your site. And so I see homeowners, they work around this by striking up a good relationship with the supervisor. They might get a key to the site fencing. They might find a way that they can break into the site on the weekends or the evenings to have a walk around after everyone has left. And this, this is a terrible thing to do because once the site is established by the builder at the beginning, it is their site and workplace health and safety regulations apply. You need, you legally need the builder's permission to be on site. So you need to seek it before you sign a contract so that you can visit regularly, ideally weekly, and you can walk around with your drawings to see if the progress that you're seeing on site actually matches them. Many of these volume builders and builders generally, they will now use online systems to share progress and communicate with their clients. You know, and whilst it's great to get those regular updates and to have it all centralised in one place, please don't let that substitute you regularly seeing the site in person. 
I have heard stories about slabs not being poured properly, uh, slab edges, you know, or missing sections being botched up or fixed up later, uh, being hidden by, you know, behind render, even being hidden under carpet in the corner of a room and when you lifted it or you actually pressed down on the carpet, you found there was a hole in the slab. I've heard of structural engineers not even bothering to get out of the car to do their regular inspections that are required for approvals uh, of timber being wet and mouldy but being covered with plasterboard before the client could see it so many more horror stories so you need to see your site regularly okay and you need to ask questions about the things that don't look as they should then that are not as you specified that are not as you selected and you need to get advice if you're not happy with the response that you're receiving seek legal advice and refer to your contract because you'll find that when any builder is under time and cost pressures they will just want to barrel on and get the job finished so that's, that applies to any builder and it especially applies to volume builders. So understand your contract, what powers you have when you're unhappy with quality and progress and ensure that you get the quality and home that you've paid for. And do all of that, do all of that due diligence before you sign the contract. There's no point you being inside a contract and trying to sort this out then. You want to know what you're dealing with before you actually sign it. Now, lastly, and I've mentioned this a couple of times, so I want to just talk about it before we wrap up. If you are thinking about building with a volume builder because you think it's all you can afford, then you may need to dig a little deeper and get yourself educated and informed about what type of home and building process you really can afford and how to get the best from any new build experience. And how can you do that? Well, I am often asked if home method is suitable for you if you're building with a volume builder. And the short answer is yes. The longer answer is this, okay? So inside Home Method, I share that there are four main approaches to building a new home. And building with a volume builder, it's just one of these four main ways. And I find that many will assume it is the least expensive and that is not always the case. And I've experienced this firsthand and I've had member after member also experience this. So the thing is, though, that the volume builder method, though, it will naturally provide you with the least amount of control of the four methods that I that I share inside Home Method. Now, for some homeowners, they are totally okay with that, you know, and I have members of Home Method who are building with volume builders, but they're using their learnings from Home Method to find the right design for themselves, their budget and their site, and they're also ensuring that they can still be great advocates for a fantastic quality home within the volume builder delivery methodology. So, for example, they're choosing a design that suits the orientation of their site. They're auditing the designs against the recommendations that I lay out inside Home Method to make sure that they've got it right. They're still fully interviewing the builder with my checklist of questions to ask and the checks to make so that they can ensure a good fit. And they're working with volume builders who actually have some more flexibility in their approach so that they can get better results from how they work together. They're reviewing the contract in detail. They're discussing the option for weekly site meetings and their involvement during construction before they commit. They're also discussing the involvement of a building inspector to be able to help with inspections along the way. They're also educating the builder on better selections, products, materials, detailing for higher performance overall, you know, ensuring that the thermal performance is going to work well, upgrading the specification of specific products. And it's amazing to see homeowners educating builders about this. It's just tremendous. And they're setting themselves up for a great experience whilst, you know, they're balancing that delivery model of the volume builder and their collaboration involvement so that they can know things are moving on track and they're being delivered with quality in mind. And this is what I love about Home Method, especially when you're working with a volume builder, because you will learn what your role can be and you'll not just let it be dictated to you by the company that you're working with. 
After all, it is your home, it's your money, it's your time, it's your vision. This is the reason that this project is even happening. You do not have to be beholden to whatever you're being dished up. This is about you finding out the best approach that you want to achieve for your budget, your site and your life and then knowing how to step yourself through that approach so that you can have an enjoyable experience and you can create a home that you love living in. And Home Method is perfect for helping you do just that, whoever you are working with. So I'm going to recap on those top three challenges that I've taken you through when you're building a new home with a volume builder. Challenge number one, volume builders don't prioritize a site specific outcome. So you need to educate yourself about the orientation of your block of land before you start looking at the home designs and ensure that you find the best design for your site and its natural assets, especially the movement of the sun. And I'll quickly mention here too, I've popped a resource, uh, a link in the, in the resources for this episode because uh, many people think that they need to choose the house before they find the block of land. Uh, it's a common question. Do I choose the house first or the land first? I've got a blog post to answer that question for you. So check that out in the resources. Challenge number two, their business model, Volume Builders business model is built on incremental commitment, which creates significant sunk costs. And then that can feel difficult to walk away from if things aren't going well. So you need to learn about all of the expenses and steps before you begin investing in them and ensure that you protect your ownership of site information in case things don't go as planned. And challenge number three, the Volume Builders ideal scenario is an arm's length involvement from you. So determine what involvement you actually want in your project, both prior to and during construction, before you decide on a builder so that you can get that baked into your process as part of working with them. Now, remember, you can access a free downloadable PDF transcript of this episode, as well as links to the resources that I've mentioned. I've got all of those things available for you at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 273. That's the numbers 273. And of course, whether you are renovating or you're building new, if you'd like more structured help and guidance and you want to feel more confident and in control as you learn the steps from start to finish of your project journey and how to create a functional, feel-good and fantastic home, then Home Method is the place for you. Plus, you'll join a community of amazing and super informed homeowners on a similar journey to you. And you'll also be able to access my personalized help along the way. I would love to see you inside Home Method and support you in your project. So you can head to www.homemethod.com.au for more information. And I've also popped that link in the resources. As always, from San Francisco, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Bye.